Welcome to the Next Level of Sales Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Derek Jankowski. This is the show where we help you, the new-ish sales leaders, shorten the learning curve. My guest today is Olivia Henkel. She's a senior sales manager of major accounts over Procore Technologies in New York. Olivia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you. You came, you know, highly recommended. Would you really quick just kind of kick off your, your background for our audience and let them know, you know, why and, you know, why you're here, how you got to where you are? Yeah, of course. So quick personal background. I'm from Long Island. I like to mention this. I have six brothers and sisters. So I feel like I've been a manager my entire life. They're all, I have one older sister and then five under the age of 22. So Lots of youngins in my life. And after graduating college, I joined a company called Single Platform, which was my first foray into sales and was there for a year. Anyone who knows Single Platform knows that it's a bit of a a grind. There's a, a lot of call metrics and different things that you have to hit. So 150 calls a day. And I felt like really got my foundation in sales there. And then went to a company called Grovo, which I like to say is where I grew up in sales. I joined at a really interesting time. We were series A, there were about 25 employees and I was the third sales hire. So first woman on the sales team and quickly became a top performer. And nine months later was promoted into my first management role, which is a little bit unique. And I've been a manager ever since. I think I learned obviously a lot at my time at Grobo, I was there for about four years. And then when I was ready for my next move, I was actually introduced to a company called Honest Buildings, another Series A startup at the time, right around the same size of when I joined Grobo, about 25 employees. I joined as again, first woman on the sales team. There was about five reps at that point and led that team from 2 million to 10 million in ARR and we were acquired by Procore where I am today. So lots to say about Procore. It's it's very different from the companies I've been at in the past. It's definitely the largest. There's about 2000 employees on track to IPO and it's an exciting time, but very different. I've learned a lot of different skills here at Procore. I'm not the only sales manager is one of the, the biggest changes for me, but that's where I am today. You said something there that obviously you know, you said you were the only woman on the sales team. That's mm-hmm. not an experience I've ever had. <laughs> you can imagine. Yep. yep. <laughs> what, what is that like? I, I think, you know, hmm, that's an interesting question. It's <laughs> <laughs> because I, I am very used to it. Like even today, there's not as many women on the sales team as there are men. It's about 10% at Procore and still like one of the few female managers that are at Procore. Although we're, we're obviously trying to promote and hire women as much as possible. So it's something I'm quite used to at this point. And I think like in my, early in my career, I, I definitely like wore it as a badge of honor, I would say, and something that I was really proud of because I knew I could hold my own and in, in meetings and, and things like that. But it, it definitely comes with challenges, like, you know, just simply getting in your head a lot and thinking like, okay, are they not taking my ideas as seriously? Or is my team going to respect me? Because I'm, you know, at that point I was a 24 year old woman managing a team of seasoned salespeople. So 
there, I think the biggest challenge is like, just get, again, getting in your own head. So have worked a lot on that over the years, but again, still wear it as somewhat of a badge of honor and, and hope to help inspire as many more junior women as possible and, and work on mentoring them. And while also finding my own mentors at the same time. Yep. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I wonder if you could talk about thinking back to the first time that you were promoted to sales leadership. Mm-hmm. What are some mistakes that you made? What are some things you do differently today? Yeah, I think an easy one that comes to mind is just being too nice and thinking that was the right thing, right? Like I think there were definitely times where I would lean in a little bit too much and help fix people's mistakes rather Mm -hmm. than letting, you know, coaching them through it and letting them learn how to fix that mistake so that they don't make it again. And then also just not being as direct as you need to be in a management position, I think is, it's really hard to learn, especially when you're promoted to manage some of your former peers, which is very common. So being afraid to hurt people's feelings when in reality, the worst thing you could do for someone is not be direct. And that was pretty, a pretty hard lesson to learn because, you know, you sit there six months into management and if you have people who aren't performing, you're hurting them because they're not making commission they might lose their job and they don't even know it. And you're not hitting your numbers because you need your team to hit your numbers. So learned pretty quickly that the more direct you are, the better. But I think back then I thought it was better to be super nice and make everyone like you. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens a lot. I did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've, I've gone back and forth actually, So I've done it all. I've been too mean yeah. and too nice. Fun. Yeah. For me, for me, like I, even today, like I have to work on that always because I like when people like me, you know, but I think people wind up liking you a lot more if you're direct and you give them direct feedback and they know what's coming at all times. That's, that's why people want to be on your team and want to follow you. So it's something I always am working on, but it's, I've definitely gotten much better at it. So. You're, you're, it sounds like you're saying like people want to be on your team and like you as a manager if you're direct because that's what helps them get better. Yes, or exactly. Is that mm-hmm. cool? Yeah, that's. I would agree with that too. Definitely. What would you say? So let's go the opposite side, right? Those are those mistakes. What's mm-hmm. your superpower as a leader? So I think it's, I think I've actually turned that into a superpower, like being direct, but also having empathy. So like you said, you've been, you know, you went from like the mean side. So you learning that you can be direct and care about the person you're giving feedback to and give them feedback in a way that's actually going to be helpful that they don't take, you know, people get defensive when they get feedback. So making sure that they understand why you're giving them that feedback and that you do care about them and want them to get better. So I think that's something I would say. And then also just like getting shit done for my team is, is one that I would say, like just hearing what they want and giving them small wins so that they can do their jobs better, I think is something that my team has told me they appreciate about me. Cool. So could you give our audience a couple tips on those? So we both made the two, you know, nice Mm -hmm. mistake, let's call it. I've also been too mean. Like if somebody is but you're, you're doing being direct with empathy. I feel like that's the, that's the baby bear spot, right? Yes. <laughs> Just right. 
how should somebody who's maybe been leading less than a couple of years, how should, how could they become better at that or know if they are, or if they're not doing that well? Yeah. I think first and foremost, like you have to ask your team, like, just ask them, what could I, like, how can I give you feedback in early? I think when you first meet them, how do you like to receive feedback and understand that person as an individual? And then there's also things that come with time, like learning more about that person. Someone might say, I really like direct feedback. And then they always get defensive when you give them direct feedback. So you need to learn each person, of course, and that, that comes with time. But I think asking helps. And then also role-playing with your peers or with a friend, as silly as that sounds, like when you're about to have a tough conversation with someone, like that's their career and Mm -hmm. they're going to take it personally if it's, if it's serious. So you should also take it really seriously. And then I think the third thing would just be like, realize that if, if you, as long as you believe in what you're saying and have good intentions, it's going to come off the right way. If you're only caring about like, you know, this person sucks, they're not hitting their number and they're not getting me to their number, to my number. So like, I'm going to tell them they suck, then that's never going to come across as empathetic. So I think, I think really doing that, it's interesting. So my husband is also in sales management. He, and he is sometimes skews a little bit towards the mean side, uh, I'd say. So we role play a lot. And I, I still like with, hard conversations that we're going to have with our teams and just make sure that they, you know, we, we might give each other feedback on like, Hey, you could sound a little bit too harsh if you say it that yeah. way. Like here's another way to say it. So yeah, th- those are a couple of quick pieces of advice that. I, I love that you're specifically role-playing with somebody who's sort of counter to your natural inclination. Mm-hmm. Like if I practice with somebody who's naturally extremely direct, I might not get feedback pulling me to the middle right and so I love that you're doing that yeah have you one of the things that I've I've found think about this is like how did you say it you said like if you have good intentions something mm-hmm. about like if you have good intentions you'll come off better I've also found that if you don't there's yep. forgiveness because you know oh they're tough but they're doing it because they care about me and want me to do better. Right. Is that, is that something that's happened? Yes. Team? Yes. I, I, I do agree. And I think, so I, I also learned this trick, not trick. I shouldn't say trick. I learned this like hack. method, hack, <laughs> a manager hack that actually is really helpful. And like, again, people's first instincts is like, they don't want to hear bad things about themselves. So I think the, the, whatever training I took was like, get them to give you like a small, yes, I'm accepting this feedback. So like a lot of the times I'll start out with, can I give you some feedback on that call? Or can I give you some feedback? And the team, you know, most people would be like, yes. And that kind of just like puts their barrier down a little bit and lets them take the feedback. At the same time, people who I've managed for years are like, oh, here it comes. Like, she's going to give me feedback because she's asking, you know, like, so you have to balance that a little bit. But it, I, I think that's where that comes across is, is my team, especially those who have been on my team for years. And even folks that are, who I've managed years ago who are now in management positions themselves, like, know that I'm going to give them true, honest feedback and and not be mean about it. I think another tip I forgot to mention is, like, don't 
don't be like, as long as you're talking about the actions and like giving specific, specific examples, it's really hard to be mean because it's just yeah. facts. So using tools like call recordings or emails and pulling up like, hey, you know, here's a sentence that I would have said differently and here's why. And mm -hmm. I, I noticed you did this a few times in these specific scenarios, I think makes it really easy to just be like, you're being clear and clear is, is the nicest thing you could be. Right. So. Right. right. And that also takes the, the focus off of, you know, it's not me. It's right. what I did. What I did. Mm -hmm. So it's less likely to be taken personally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and really like sales reps want coaching so badly. Like that's the thing they miss, especially in sales startups, like, or high pressure sales environments when everyone's just like running all the time and it's chasing a number constantly, they really miss the coaching part of it. So the more you can give them feedback, even if it's super small, they're going to eat it up and, and be really happy that you did that. I love that. Another thing, you know, something that I, I noticed when I got promoted is I had all these misconceptions about what it was to be a sales manager. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had good, I've had, I've been lucky to have good sales managers, but I don't think I, I accepted the job without really understanding what was in it for me. Mm -hmm. What's something that you thought was true about leadership or sales leadership until you actually became a leader and found out now that's not how it goes. Yeah. I don't think I realized just how much people management there is in sales management. Like, of course, there, of course, you're going to be a people manager, but I think going into the role, like you're like, okay, it's going to be a lot of process. I'm going to get to be like really strategic and help set direction for the company. And then obviously help my team get to their number, but you don't realize like personalities and people play such a big role in that. It seems obvious now looking back, but that's like 75% of the job is, is managing people's personalities, emotions, you know, careers. So I think that's probably one thing that I didn't realize at the time how much of that there is. And, and that really good managers, sales managers are really good people managers. So. So how did you, I guess either, so how do you do that? Or how did mm -hmm. you learn how to do that and, and to become good at that? Yeah. I think, I think one-on-ones are like a really big tool for that because, and because you don't, you know, that's like their time truly. And again, a lot of times I think that's like a thing first time managers might get overwhelmed because they want to be doing like the process stuff, the strategic stuff, and don't realize that like having that one-on-one -on -one time with your people is where you get to where you get to people manage really is during that one-on-one -on -one time and where you get to give feedback. And then I think in addition to that, it's like building a team at the same time. So obviously managing the individuals, but I think a lot of the people management is like getting people excited about hitting your team goal, not just the company goal. So those are the two things that since then I've used to like really help myself people manage. And then also realizing that like, if you as a manager are unblocking things for your team, they're going to perform and they're going to hit their numbers. So like that's, that should be your number one priority. Yeah. So I, I think the, I don't know if that specifically answers the question and I think, but it, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's helpful. I mean, unblock things for people mm -hmm. have one-on-one. -on -one. 
so that people get individual attention. I like that you talked about team goals and getting people mm-hmm. excited about that. Mm-hmm. A- anything like anything cool or anything particular that you do in order to get people to buy into a team goal? Yeah. So this has been a huge, I mean, this has been a huge learning for me over the past year and a half being at Procore. Of course, always team goals are always important, but at Procore, you know, a $25,000 deal that a mid-market rep at Procore might close is it's not going to like make or break the company number because there's 400 salespeople, which is really different from the startups that I've worked at where like, you know, that $10,000 deal can get us over the line at the end of the month or something. So for me, it was like, how do I get this team to be excited about a group number so that if one person falls and maybe misses the deal, another person's going to step up and find one to cover it, which is what you get at like a smaller company. So I, I put a lot of attention to that. And I, I've asked my team, like, why do you guys care about this team goal so much? Because they do now, which is exciting. And I was kind of like, what did I do to get them here? Cause I, you know, you kind of have to reflect and understand what you did. And one thing was just one of my reps was like, we talk about it in every team meeting and we care about the rest of the team. So like kicking off team meetings and being like, this person has this deal and this person has this deal. And if that deal falls out, like here's where we need to cover, making sure they know how you're thinking about the team number, I think is important. And then just like talking about it a lot, whether it's like on a whiteboard, obviously that doesn't exist today or digital whiteboard, <laughs> but like just like putting it out there and and making them excited to hit it. And then of course there's stuff like, oh, you know, we'll do a team event or I'll buy you all lunch for a week, like little things like that too. And then I think the last thing, and I know I talked a lot about this, but is like the team, I'm grateful for this, but they care about me getting to my number, which is I think really important. And that they want to like get to their number so that I can get to my number. And I think part of that is like doing the things I said before, like unblocking for them. They know that I'm going to be there to unblock things for them. So they're going to like go get their number so that we can get our team number. So. Yeah. It sounds like they've bought into you because they know you have their back. I know yeah. you support them even when they're not looking. I think that that is true. And another thing that's challenging about being a manager there is like balancing, always having their backs with balancing what the company needs, right? Like, Hey, we really want to discount 50% to get this deal done. (laughs) And like, no, we're not allowed to do that. So putting, I think putting rules in place where it's like, I'll, I'll go this far, but once you go here, like, I'm not, I'm not going past past that is important and helps balance like company needs with team feeling like you have their back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to ask you this. What is something that you think is, I'm calling it cutting edge, right? Mm -hmm. Something that in sales leadership, most people, as far as you know, aren't doing this or don't know about it, but should be. So I think of really important thing right now is everyone, I mean, at least at my company, and I think a lot of companies that I know of are working from home and you, like, we all feel it personally. Like we're staring at a screen all day. It's super draining. Mm -hmm. And what we're missing is the human interaction. So the more you can be people focused and care about, like be a human, I think, and make space for that. Like you know, people might not want to be on Zoom for another training. Like, how can you get them that training 
and care about the fact that they don't want to be on Zoom. So things like that, we're actually doing like a training podcast, which is pretty cool. And I'm encouraging the team, like go for your daily walk and listen to the podcast. So you don't have to stare in front of the screen, but just like be creative and realize that you might have to put a little bit more effort into the human aspect because people are tired. It is exhausting (laughs) in a different way. So that that's a big thing I would say. And then obviously, yeah, I think, I think that's it actually. I'll, I'll cut myself off. I love that. I've, I've never heard that idea, but it, it seems, you know, in retrospect, it's like, duh, like, yeah. but third training and audio only in your podcast, go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You need to get outside. Right. And right. when you work from home, you just don't. Wow. Yes. Okay. What a great idea. And people, we actually just released our first one this week and it was 10 minutes. So, and it was a conversation with one of the top performing AEs and Mm -hmm. it was really, really well received. So I'm excited. We have like 10 other trainings planned now, but things like that. I think you just have to get creative. Yeah, that's definitely really creative. I love that idea. So we're we're coming up on time. So I just wanted to throw this out. Is there anything like we haven't talked about, I haven't gone in depth on it's just like generally here's some good advice for somebody who is a new-ish sales manager or even that that's looking to get promoted here in the next, you know, last half of the pandemic or whatever. Yeah. I think actually one of my old reps who was top performer on my team at Grovo just got promoted to a management role. And yeah. we were talking about it before he got promoted and he like asked me this pretty much the same question, like what is like the top piece of advice? And I think my advice to him was you, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in like those sales leadership meetings. And again, like the process and writing up docs and things like that, when really like the thing your team is going to care the most about and the thing that will help you be the most successful is like being super deal focused and caring about your people. And again, like working on those, those leadership skills, like directness and, and coaching that I think is going to take people like managers to the next level, especially in the early days, right? Like if you find yourself doing something that isn't helping your team, unblock, like unblock things for your team and isn't focused on deals, it might be, it might not be super necessary right now. Yeah. Right. Cut that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Right. And that's, that's hard, of course, like, because every company might have a need that you need, of course, like there's also managing up if your boss needs something, Mm -hmm. but it is, I think, you know, and it's okay to push back on your boss and be like, Hey, like, can I do this next quarter? Or like when we have a clear path to our goal right now, like we really need to go focus on pipeline, things like that, I think is more impactful. Right. I mean, this is a, a good way to, like, if you're behind on your number, Mm-hmm. Or just feel like there's more work to do than can possibly get done, which happens. I mean, that's the time. Kind of, like, this is a good way to help prioritize, you know, where should I focus first? Right. Team, deal, hitting my number. This project that's impact is two, three quarters off. Can I push that to next month? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's super helpful. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We've got a lot of really fire tips here. I think people are going to really enjoy, you know, get a lot out of what you shared today. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. This is really cool. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll probably like the Next Level Private Mastermind. It's a small group of newish sales leaders who are helping each other grow faster and become better. Each week, we cover a specific topic and troubleshoot actual issues new leaders run into. The link is in the show notes or go to DerekJankowski.com slash mastermind. Thanks.